It took me a while to figure out if I can agree that there is something good that one can look for people with people that are like low in altruism. And it really took me a while, a while, but I changed perspective. And for me, it's really the outcome oriented thinking here that let's, for example, you have someone who's just really driven by um, making money, being successful, uh, high on power and creates a company. It's, we have a lot of those in the US, so I don't want to, I don't want to drop names here, but like the big t tech companies. So the motivator, yeah, the motivator wasn't altruism, but still in the end, they employ thousands and thousands of people and makes, make a lot of people's lives just better. That's Christina Ralph, a project coordinator for Goose Creek, who's certified in the Hogan assessments. For me, you know, Jason, we talked earlier about kind of being a robot. And I, I love that. And now, you know, I, I feel like it wouldn't be a podcast with us without some metaphor being in there somewhere. And for me, it kind of relates to almost kind of like a robot or a broken compass. You, you'll be this thing that you're meant to be, but you'll have no direction. And what's even more concerning is people might take the direction for you yourself. And that's kind of, you know, if we talk about you being a robot, it's like somebody else having the remote control telling you what to find passions in, telling you what to do and how to be as a person. And at a certain point, you know, every robot eventually breaks. And I think it just comes down to it gets so difficult to not be your full self and something like motivators that's such an integral part of being who you are. You, you can't fake it. And most importantly, you can't have others tell you what they should be. That's Brittany Lawhorn, Goose Creek's Director of Operations, who is also Hogan Certified. Goose Creek Consulting, welcome to the Silver Linings Handbook bonus episode. I'm Jason Blair. This is the third and final bonus episode on coaching the whole person. We'll be talking about personality and values. Today, it's coaching from the inside. Imagine an iceberg. Above the waterline, an iceberg appears huge, but there's much more of the mass that's under the surface. When it comes to professional and personal development, Our behaviors and our experiences are above the line, easier to observe and easier to change. But below the line, you'll find the things that are harder to observe and harder to change. And that's our personality and our values. As Brittany said in the last episode, Sigmund Freud, the famed psychoanalyst, once said, the you you know is not worth knowing. But was Freud entirely right? Sort of. Everything about getting along and getting ahead in life is about how other people perceive us. But when our personalities and behaviors are not serving us, it's because they're not serving our goals, and our goals are based on our values. To think about why values are important, take the example of you and I walking a little old lady across the street. You may walk the little old lady across the street because you're an altruist. I might do it because I think it's socially appropriate behavior. People can see what we do, but they can't see why we do it. And the why is what sets our goals while our personalities, they affect our behaviors and whether we meet those goals. So today we're going to be looking at those values, coaching from the inside through the lens of Hogan's motives, values, and preferences inventory. The motives, values, and preferences inventory, some call, sometimes called the MVPI, 
reveals a person's core values, goals, and interests. And it tells us two really important things. It tells us the environment that you're going to seek to create around you and what type of organization or team that you're likely to fit into. just wanted to thank you, Britt and Christina, for joining us. I'm excited to wrap up this series uh, on coaching. I think a lot of people don't get a, a lot of experience with what coaching can do, what the power of assessments are, and also really about the fundamental elements of what really happens in professional development. So thanks both of you for joining us. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for the invite and looking forward to the discussion. Completely agree and welcome back. And thanks again for having us. Of course. So I wanted to start by throwing out an idea and just something that I was um, I was thinking about lately is that a lot of leadership development programs that I've worked on, they'll focus on competencies, they'll focus on behaviors, but they often won't focus on values. And I was wondering whether you guys could tell us a little bit about the advantage for an individual of focusing on their own values, you know, what some people call drivers. Oh, I mean, I heavily go ahead. I think um, for me, being, I mentioned that a couple of times earlier uh, in the other episodes, being self-aware, knowing your strength, I think is the key to find the right like the right company that fits to you, where you can strive, where your values can really add benefit to the entire team and the work you do on a daily basis. And I think what more can you ask for? Yeah, kind of getting that idea of your values actually add values. What about you, Brett? What, um, what's the importance of, uh, I think, values to sort of development and growth from your perspective? Absolutely. Um, so for me, it, it really kind of allows me to view, you know, we've talked about this entire person and I think kind of going into a little bit more of like a retrospective deep dive, if you will, I, I think we're, you know, but a shell of a person without motivators, right? It, it's helpful to know, even just from a, a simplistic perspective, if it's a cup of coffee that wants to motivate you to get up in the morning, or if it's, you know, drawing or doing a little bit of yoga, having some self-meditation. And I think the same comes with knowing personality traits and even deeper in a sense motivators you know what personally about you gets you excited and just ready to tackle not only the day but any day right a good day or a bad day what kind of brings the best you to the table and i think that's your motivators you know it's so funny listening to what you were what you were just saying i was thinking about personality as you know like our personality might be what what we do, right? Like I'm very curious, so I'm always reading things, or it might lead to what we do. And you know, I'm I'm very ambitious, but really, without my values, I'm kind of like a robot, right? I, I, that's the image I got in listening to you. I'd be like a robot that you could just point in any direction, but my values really give you a good idea of like the the why and the where I'll point and where I won't point. I was, um, I was debriefing a client recently. And it was really interesting. We were talking about some of his values and he was really high on the scale of aesthetics, which is one that drives you toward quality and establishing and seeing a vision and the big picture view and 
really digging below the surface to kind of like connect the dots from unrelated things. And we were talking about how he is on his Hogan developmental survey, the HDS, which is the dark side. He's high on mischievous, which is, you know, about risk taking and limit testing and pushing the pedal to the metal. And he's also high on cautious, which is where people are careful and thorough, but they can become sort of avoidant, fearful of failure. We're talking about how those two things could operate at the same time. And what we realized, it was all about his aesthetic score, that when he got a chance to have fun using his imagination, it was pedal to the metal at a million miles an hour. And when he was bored and was presented with something that was risky, that's when his anxiety kicked in. So really, you know, looking at his personality, the different levers of his personality, what his values were, drove when each lever went. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I was also going to ask you guys, um, just thinking about my own my own career. One of the things, you know, I, I I worked at the New York Times. I created an enormous scandal that was somewhat connected to to my mental health at the time. But one of the things that I always say when I go to a university and I talk to classes, I say like a big part of it was like character, right? Like my, my there were some things with my character that needed work. And I'll also say this line um, that is genuine, which is I lost sight of my values. And really, you know, my values at the time, like I got into journalism because I wanted to help people. And I was convinced that the way to help more people would be to get a more prominent beat. And, you know, you keep on doing that and you keep on moving up and you keep on moving up. And I lost sight of the whole point of why I got in there, which was to help people. And I was just wondering, you know, what happens when people lose sight or are not being mindful of their, their values? Yeah, I'll jump in if that's okay. Um, For me, you know, Jason, we talked earlier about kind of being, a robot. And I, I love that. And now, you know, I, I feel like it wouldn't be a podcast with us without some metaphor being in there somewhere. And for me, it kind of relates to almost kind of like a robot or a broken compass. You, you'll be this thing that you're meant to be, but you'll have no direction. And what's even more concerning is people might take the direction for you yourself. And that's kind of, you know, if we talk about you being a robot, it's like somebody else having the remote control telling you what to find passions in, telling you what to do and how to be as a person. And at a certain point, you know, every robot eventually breaks. And I think it just comes down to it gets so difficult to not be your full self and something like motivators. That's such an integral part of being who you are. You, you can't fake it. And most importantly, you can't have others tell you what they should be. And it's, that's a really interesting point because you see that conflict, right? Between bosses, employees, you see that conflict between parents and their children. Like often we assume that other people share the same values that we have, right? right. And dad, let's say, is really interested in commerce and uh, really interested in sort of like financial security and stability. And they'll often point their children into jobs and roles, like go into tech, go into business that fit that way. But if you're driven by, you know, like networking or helping people, and you're not exactly aware of that, and your parents not really aware that the value is different, that can create an enormous amount of conflict. 
Christina? What, yeah, thoughts? I think exactly. Um, it's it's what Brittany mentioned, and I think she really mentioned a couple of good points, especially that you're not really in your driver's seat. If you live against your values and you can't realign the values you you have, someone else is in the driver's seat, not yourself. And I think that can go go well for a while, but it's definitely against taking good care of yourself. And um, to be truly and be able to live honest to your values, that's where you can be the best self you can be also long-term without not just functioning like a robot, but the way that you can really live true to yourself and fit. And at the end of the day, you look in the mirror and you don't have to wonder like, is that my decision? Is that the way I wanted to handle things? It's really you. And so it really aligns with it. And I think that benefits everyone you you encounter throughout the day. Yeah, those are real good points, right? Like the idea that, you know, we call them drivers, but really what they do is they put you in the driver's seat of your life because it sort of points you toward your North Star. It shows you your lighthouse that's going to get things out of the way. Um, or, or, or that it shows you the lighthouse, uh, the lighthouse, so you know how to avoid sort of the rocks that are going to get in the way. And you know, one of the things that I was thinking about just listening to what you guys were saying is that you know, I mentioned before that values have a lot to do with organizational fit, and they have a lot to do with the environment that people, whether they know about it or not, they're going to try and create around them. And I'm curious, how do you guys think that like organizations can use values to sort of help figure out how to hire, promote people, or form teams? I know, Britt, in your work, uh, you do some human resources work where hiring is is based on the assessments. And, and Christina, I know you're just insightful about a ton of things, but I'm just wondering, how do you how do you guys think organizations can utilize values to do those things. I'm jumping in here because that really speaks so to me, um, how I joined Goose Creek. Um, Because our core value, now I can say, oh, because I'm working here, um, is altruism. We want to help people. We want to make other people's lives better. And looking at my Hogan scores, I am 100 in altruism. So this is really my core value. So for me, um, I feel like I I really contribute a lot to the company and I love working for you guys and with you guys because I feel like my values align with our mission. And that's, at least for me, from a non-HR perspective, the way it should be. And given that you as a company like put your values out there, I find it very attractive. That's interesting. So it sort of helped you choose us, yes. basically. yes. That's a, one of the things that uh, if you had been sitting in that interview and I don't, I don't know if I was in your interview, but if I was sitting in your interview and I said, our number one goal is to make money, that would have sort of like been like, Ugh. yeah. Or if our number one goal had been to the, the biggest firm in coaching, because that is not our goal. <laughs> <laughs> our goal is to help people. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, please. I mean, my whole thing is we'll kill you if uh, we'll kill you if you don't want to help people. So, <laughs> oh. 
Brett, I think now you can put the cough in. I think that works out really well. But I'm telling you, this is where this is where personality mixes with altruism, right? Like, I am such an altruist that I will run over you to save someone. That I think we can. Everyone in this podcast can attest to. I love the way Christina said that because I think it's something that, you know, current, and I don't want to slander any organizations because every organization, right, has their own fault. But I think it's just this mainstream incorrect assumption that job hunting only goes one way. You know, it's the organ, you as an employee should be lucky to work for the organization. And it's almost ignorant to think that because it goes 100% both ways. The organization deserves to be understood, core values, motives, uh, you know, kind of understood to the full extent just as much as the employee does. Because how do you know if the employee is going to be, you know, we've talked about bringing full self and creating a full self environment in, in a work in, working environment. And that's just hearing true motivators and then coming like what I think Christina is touching on. You, you come into it and you actually see, okay, it's not all talk. It's actually there's action behind these words. It's an actual motivator. They, they say they want to do it and their actions align with it and they go for it. And I think it's, it's so important to look at your whole organization like that and then kind of to answer your question a little bit, to look at your team like that. You know, it allows you to uh, kind of what I'm learning right now, adjust attitudes to help align not only my motivators with the company's goals and the vision and et cetera, but also my teams, you know, we all have different motivators and it's ignorant for me to think just even as another employee that what motivates me is going to motivate my peer. It could be the complete opposite, but we still want to get to the same end goal. And I think it helps kind of not blur the lines, but it, it allows for the boundaries to be more clearly set of, I understand how you want to get to your goal and let me apply now the resources together as a team to tackle it. Right, right, right. And I think as a manager to that point, right, it can really help you if you know your values are different than your employees. Like, I I, I know this one client I had who's really creative and his boss totally knows him. And he had this boring, mundane task to do after he had come up with this creative idea to integrate these two parts of of a data analytics system. And his boss literally came in one day and was like, I know you love innovation. Like what kind of like sweet syrup can we pour on top of this boring project so you can actually get it done? And right. so like knowing his values was really critical to be able to doing it. Now I made that joke about how I'll run over people to, to save for someone else. It's probably a bit of an extreme thing, but I'll, I'll, I'll put another twist on it. One of the things that I always say about myself is, thank God I'm high on altruism, because if you look at the other elements of my personality, um, they run in the opposite direction, right? I'm very low on interpersonal sensitivity. I'm very ambitious and driven. Like, there's a good chance if you looked at, you know, I'm really mischievous too. You look at all the elements of my personality, I could be... I could be a real danger without the altruism. So it kind of balances things out. But, you know, I, one of the things about me is I'm high on the scale called altruistic. I'm low in terms of personality on something called interpersonal sensitivity, which is really about agreeableness. 
how agreeable you are. I tend to be pretty direct, candid, straightforward. And I'm moderate on the scale on the Hogan Developmental Survey, the dark side survey called reserved. So I can be somewhat aloof at times when I'm stressed out and reserved. And the way, like when you pour all those scales into a, you know, mixing bowl and you make, I don't know, are we making cookies here or something like that? When you make the cookies, what you get is a Jason who shows his love by being tough. So I'm the one who's going to tell you that your baby looks really precious <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or that your idea is like, okay. And I, the, for the number of times that it, the words have come out of my mouth, some version of like, if I really cared about you, would I lie to you? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm just curious about what your perspectives are on the way that values kind of uh, combined together with uh, elements of personality? It's, for me, the most interesting form of like a personality cocktail you can get, if that makes sense. Because, you you know, it's, it's kind of like every, every bar can make the same drink, but they're going to make it differently. For me coming in, you know, this was my first, I would say, professional job environment that I was thrown into immediately after COVID. So, you know, anything kind of tough love was, it was shell shocking, but then you, you know, you have to understand what we've talked about previously of, you know, I don't experience this world and the interactions of this world the same that you do and vice versa. It helped me understand exactly what you said. It's not this, oh, I'm going to tell you what's wrong every single time, you know, this strict mentality. It was almost like a an interesting form of watching you have self-discipline and say, this person is worth my time, worth an investment, worth development in a sense. So why would I not immediately let them know when I see, hey, you know, you you almost hit a home run, but let me tell you how to actually hit a home run. It, it's showing that it, it was just kind of shifting perspectives. And for me, it was something that it was very interesting. And personally, the more I look back, you know, at my younger, more earlier, premature years at Goose Creek, it's more kind of adorable to see me not understand it, be so confused. And even just now in the real world, be like, oh, this is somebody who actually thinks I'm worth the time and energy to say these things. So let's listen and let's apply it if I think it's, you know, kind of funny enough, if it aligns with my motives and values. Yeah. I remember you always saying that you wanted feedback. Yeah. <laughs> and not knowing what feedback is. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and the fact that you appreciated it. But I remember like years later, you said to me something like we were talking about some other employee and you were like, oh, yeah, I would go home and cry at night sometimes. And I was like, why? <laughs> um, and then I thought to myself, oh, yeah, like I show my love in a, by like telling you the truth. So maybe that isn't always easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Jason, add on, I mean, what you mentioned earlier, like the lower, lower scales on interpersonal sensitivity that you mentioned that you actually have, um, you might, let's say, I wouldn't call it hurt, that's a bit too strong, but you might, yeah, not frame it the nicest way to be, you would be too blunt, for example. And As someone might, once said, what you were saying, Jason, is factual. However, there is almost always a better way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree here. Um, I'm sorry, Britt, but I think these these times are over that you would go home crying, but at least <laughs> you would uh, then be able to, to 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 tell Jason the next morning. 
Um, but what I've seen, um, also knowing that you you can be aloof at sometimes, and you come across as being. I mean, you are reserved, and that's pretty much my opposite. So knowing that this is not personal against me, or that has nothing to do with the environment, and then add to it that you're pretty ambitious, and really have to focus because I know that you have a lot of back-to-back meetings but knowing and especially seeing your actions regarding the altruism um, that's all I need to see Um, and also when we think about all the feedback we get from clients also especially consumer clients how you help them that is all I need to see that actions literally speak louder than words yeah I know. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Christine, there was a time this week where I felt bad. You came by my office and you were like, do you have a minute? And I was like, no. (laughs) I remember. Yeah, but I can take it. That's, um, I'm also German, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think I, I had a client, you know, say to me recently on the mental health side of our business, she's like, thanked me and she said and the way she phrased it she was like thank you for pushing my buttons in in the previous session and i was like are you thanking me and she's like yeah because i know it's going to make me better but she's like i really hated you in that Mm -hmm. session and for me i thought i thought and then said to her well you should have hated me in that session i was making you go to places that you didn't want to go but ultimately the reason why it worked was because she knew I cared, right? So mm-hmm. I think to your point, Christina, like Ambrit, I think what you're what what I'm hearing for both of you guys saying, and we just happen to be using me as an example, but the key here is being able to articulate your values. And if those values are aligned, then people are able to interpret your behaviors within the context of those values. You know, that moment where the person who is more privacy and task focused is focusing on a task or somebody's using their ambition or their power or their, you know, I think of Bonnie, my partner, my business partner, who is very focused on financial security and stability. And she, she focuses on that intently that you could easily interpret her from the outside as like she is coldly focused on finance. But she's even more focused on helping people. And the financial stability is also she can take care of her kids and take care of her friends. Like she she put one of her friends, bought a house for one of her friends last year. She uh, takes care of her ex-husband too when he was having a hard time. All that focus on commerce and finance is all about helping people. But if you don't know that second part, she can be a very scary person. Wow. That's a really good example. Yeah. So, you know, there are a couple things about values that I've realized over time as I've learned more about values that really get under my skin, right? Like I can work with any kind of personality. Like you could be a micromanager. I can work with you. You could be uh, somebody who yells at the top of your lungs. You could be somebody who is so calm. I've never been able to tell what your emotions are. I can work with you. You can be a person who never says no, always says no. It doesn't matter to me what your personality is. But values, when my values are misaligned with people, it can really get under my skin. Like I'm a person who's really driven by 
logic, science, data. So I really care about sort of like analytics, data-driven decision-making, getting underneath the surface to find like the root causes to problems. And when I meet people who don't share that value, it can be very irritating to me. And the same thing with, you know, people who aren't altruistic, I can get really, really frustrated, not only baffled, but annoyed with them. But I've begun to think, like, maybe I'm missing something, right? That not every decision needs to be made based on science. Not every, not every choice needs to be made based on altruism. And that maybe the, the greater importance is really to understand each other's values and how to complement them. And maybe there's some core values, right, that are just critical. But I, I just wanted to ask you guys, you know, what, what are your views on appreciating the importance of other people's values, the ones that are different. Um, jumping in here, for me, that's, I think the best decision you can usually make is if you can phrase your idea and you can hear other people's thoughts on it. Because that's the thing, if you only align, your, I mean, align yourself with people that have your values and entirely also your drivers, you might look at the the idea and everything. Everyone thinks it's a that's great. That's the best you can. Yeah, do. Christina. Because if I aligned mine, everyone would be spending all their time helping people. Nobody would be making money, and we'd all be skydiving every day. I don't think it would work. See, yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's an easy one, right? So, hearing other people's thoughts um, based on their different values, hearing from what where they are coming from, can help you also see other perspectives and. Yeah, maybe broaden your own horizon and see the entire picture that maybe can lead to a better decision in the end. Well, and even tying back to your point above, I was just thinking about my point about like everybody would be skydiving every day um, <laughs> because of my low sort of uh, my my lack of risk aversion and valuing taking risk. Actually, we wouldn't be skydiving all day because I'm low on affiliation. We all, we also would not be talking to each other, <laughs> so there'd be no way to arrange the skydiving. So we would put skydiving as like single appointments in our own meeting calendars, right? We just wouldn't do it together. And, and I think that, that would be the most interesting form of ideation we could have yeah. ever. Well, and, and, and that's actually to a point, we need people like you and Brent around so we actually make it to the table to have lunch together or all are able to make it to the to the plane to go skydiving, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. No, and I love the way Christina said it because I think it's something that, you know, it's kind of like what we've been talking about. We heard so much, you know, in some of our retreats that we've even done as team building exercises, shifting perspectives, you know, shifting our even just using the same camera, but shifting to a wider or more narrow lens. I think it just helps not only see how different people's mind works, but there's been, say, for example, situations where my high IS is taking over a situation and sometimes it's the best and sometimes it's that's interpersonal sensitivity, right? Correct. Yes. And so there's been times where you have kind of told me that's great to have, you know, kind of love that about you, but not in this moment. In this moment, we need to use caution. 
and here's why and and why it's kind of in the best interest and you or can don't, still don't say thanks at the bottom of an email where you're disciplining someone but yeah that's there's just a few few <laughs> developmental areas that we worked on together it should should be formally correct though, right? I mean, exactly. Business here, guys. So exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that it just kind of helps. Yeah. So one of the things like we've all talked about is we talked about the value of altruism, and I think that's a cl- uh, clear blind spot for us because we're you know a pretty altruistic company. But the reality is, like, if you had a world of all altruists, we'd be busy doing other things for other people. And one of the things that I've noticed is the downside of my altruism is sometimes it inhibits other people's ability to grow because I'm helping them, right? And they're not necessarily uh, building self-reliance. And I, I'm wondering what you guys think about that. Do you feel, since it's such a core value for all of us, there's a benefit to people who are low in the altruism? Yeah, I'd say yes. And the reason is so is there's benefits and strengths to everything, whether we see it or not. And I think that's kind of one of the things that's probably most difficult is to try to convince yourself to listen or to give somebody kind of as bluntly as it might sound the time of day that has different values with you because they can go very deep and at times they can go very personal. But I think when we, like what we've talked about, shifting our perspective and kind of understanding this, sometimes this can be bigger than me. Let me hear the person out and see, maybe we have the same goal in mind and maybe they're just not understanding it. Or maybe they just don't know that there could be you know, we talk about efficiency, there could be a more efficient way of getting there. And I think that that can come from throwing your emotions into a motivator. You know, like my mentor at work, she's in, in, I look for her in guidance in almost (laughs) more ways than one, God bless her, truthfully. But you know, there's times when she'll be cautious, and it'll almost be frustrating to me, or she'll have a different maybe value than me. And it's it's interesting to hear why and, and hear her why and understand her more as a person. And because of that, I understand just because maybe she needs to tap into this one motivator a little bit more, it doesn't mean that she's lacking in all of these other ones. This is how it makes sense or to her. That it adds value to you. Like Absolutely. Her, her different motivator. Like one of the things that I think about is, you know, I mentioned that I'm really – driven by science so like data analytics like making connections going deep all that stuff right but i'm also a risk taker right and i'm very ambitious so i get an idea i figure out what the answer is and then what i do in my process if you guys don't know this i mean you might know this brit i don't know if you know this christina i will then take my original idea that i've decided in about 15 seconds is the right answer And then I will go and analyze that for days and days and days, not because I'm locked up, but because I'm trying to prove myself wrong, right? I'm taking all this data and trying to prove my original hypothesis wrong. And for an action-oriented guy, this will sometimes lock me up. And I think about the people who are on the opposite side of the spectrum, the intuitive decision maker with my personality might make some really, really high-risk decisions, right? 
and where I'm going to make more calculated risks. But the downside for me compared to that more intuitive decision maker is I'm going to get locked up on some things. I'm going to be uncertain of things. And my leadership team, which you're a part of, Brett, are you're actually the people who unlock me, right? When I get into that point where I'm like overanalyzing and analyzing and analyzing. So even though it sometimes irritates me, intuitive decision-making, I think that there's a real value to it. It's kind of like how we talked about, you, you know, you you would almost hurt somebody to save somebody. You would run them over to save them. It's, it's like that in the moment, you know, as annoying as break- it hasn't happened already. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as annoying as the brakes are in your car, they are needed and there for a reason, whether you use them all really? the time or not. <laughs> and if not, there's reasons, you know, speed bumps. There's other Jason deterrents in the world. People don't Cute care. Cute cats running on the road. I love that like one. That. <laughs> so going back one, it, it took me a while to figure out if I can agree that there is something good that one can look for people with people that are like low in altruism. And it really took me a while, a while, but I changed perspective. And for me, it's really the outcome oriented thinking here that let's, for example, you have someone who's just really driven by um, making money, being successful, uh, high on power and creates a company. It's Mm-hmm. We have a lot of those in the U.S., so I don't want to. I don't want to drop names here, but like the big t- tech companies. So like the motivator, yeah, the motivator wasn't altruism, but still, in the end, they employ thousands and thousands of people and makes make a lot of people's lives just better. Right. Not just the, yeah, that's that's also one thing that uh, I just realized, Christina. I love that because I think it's to the point of you know we go back to when Jason talked about his scale of. You know, at times he might love his reserve scale and other times it might, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jason, but so please correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, at times, like what you said, you might feel bad that you were harsh to Christina or something, almost kind of like flipping the perspective of that's, that's why you hired people like us that, you know, will get people around the table if you need to tap into that resource (laughs) and reserve. Right. We would not have a company if we didn't have Bonnie focused on money because Lord exactly. Knows. We would write what you said back to square one. We'd all be skydiving in the meetings. Everyone would be broke, but we would be having the time of our lives helping yeah. people. I think we're all really a well-mixed cookie if you look at this point. Yeah, right. It becomes a well-mixed <laughs> cookie, right? It's got, it's got the right ingredients that come together. Not to say that there isn't a core element when you're looking at an organization, but you, know, you guys both made me think about something that in a world that was all altruism, no one would take personal responsibility for anything. Amen. No one right. would. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I think kind of the key that we're getting at here is that people need to understand their values and they need to understand the values around them or all those things that they do to help their personality are kind of aimless. It's not, you know, like if I can't tell what my goals are, I can't, I obviously can't work on everything in my personality, but if I can't tell what my goals are and I can't tell what the goals are for other people, what's my North star to decide what to work on in terms of developing and growing? Absolutely. So when you guys think about that actual topic, what are are your thoughts? I'm going to give you a chance for some closing thoughts. 
What are your thoughts about how people can sort of use their values to make their own lives better, to make other people's lives better, to have better relationships, and to continue their development and growth? Lord knows most people who take the MVPI uh, go home and attempt to apply it with their significant other first, or maybe their cats or their dogs or whoever. But I just want to get your thought. First thing that comes to my mind is if you find a place where your values are actually valued, that's the best you, you can be. And you can be your true self and adding to the, to the company and, and to everything you, what, what you're doing. And also knowing your val values back to the self-awareness, also knowing that not everyone has to have the same values as you do to, to be beneficial, but it creates such a better understanding to also look at other people's values and see where they're coming from to understand their decision-making and also then to, to stay away from interpreting someone being like a bad person or going to, to some wrong judgment in the end, just um, not maybe keeping in mind that they just come from a different angle, from a different value. So find the place where your values align with the ideally company's mission, and that's the best you can be. It helps you appreciate people. True. Yeah. I do not know how I'm going to top that one, Christina. That was yeah. awesome. But <laughs> for me, I'd, I'd say that is it, it's 100% just what we've been, I feel like, talking about and reiterating is that values go both ways. And if, it, if, there's, if there's not where you're currently at or you don't feel like there's a place, um, there, there's always a place for you. So I, I like to view the motivators as like the triple S, stay strong and stubborn in your values and the right people, right organizations, everything else will fall into place. As long as you stay true to your full self, you know, H, HPI, HDS and MVPI, you're the best you and you're the only you out there you can be. So, so be the best one. Yeah, and it's an interesting Love and important it. point kind of like wrapping this idea of coaching the whole person. People will often look at their personality and values and see misalignment with what they're trying to accomplish. And they'll think that they need to change their personality or that they need to change what they value. They need to value, you know, recognition more, power more, whatever it is. And the reality is it's not about changing. It's about knowing yourself. And then in that moment where you need to adapt outside of what you value or that moment where you need to adapt outside of some element of your personality, knowing who you are helps you know when to change. I was thinking about a recent situation with a colleague, and I always bend over backwards to help. But I know this particular colleague needed to learn something on their own and they needed to go on their own journey because that's how they were going to get the greatest amount of growth. And I had to turn my altruism off for that moment. So, But my altruism didn't go away. It, it was really about being able to adapt it in the moment to get the best outcome that was ultimately in the big picture aligned with it. So I think those are all great points, guys. I want to thank you both, uh, Brittany and Christina, for joining the listeners today and wrapping up this episode uh, and also this series on coaching the whole person. We're looking forward to being with you guys all again on another episode. I'm Jason Blair, and this is a series of Silver Linings Handbook bonus episodes on coaching the whole person. Mm -hmm.